Welcome everybody to the Love Change podcast. Today we have Lynn Formesin here, a writer who contacted me after reading an article in Brainwash about pain. Um, today we have a couple of questions for Lynn, uh, but let's start off with a little intro. How would you uh, introduce yourself, Lynn? Okay, so I'm Lynn. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm 31. I have uh, two young daughters um, of five and a half and two and a half. Mm-hmm. I live um, in Antwerp in Belgium. I'm married. Um, I work as a writer, like you said. So I have my own little writing company, which I um, combine with being an invalid, um, invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a chronic illness called... Um, Spondylitis ankylosans, very um, mouthful, just to say that I have a rheumatic disease and I, um, yeah, I am in pain almost every day, almost all day. Um, but I, um, yeah, I try not to let it um, command every, everything I do in life, I guess. Well, so, yeah. Welcome, welcome to the show. I think there's a lot to learn from. Uh, people who have to deal with pain um in the podcast i always ask people what was the biggest change in your life so to you the question of all the changes you've been through you can uh, make it maybe make a top three who were the biggest mm-hmm. changes in your life definitely motherhood mm-hmm. um because it made me uh, realize that fighting against the pain or trying to um, ignore it and and um, or even I don't know act in ways that make it worse afterwards okay. um, that my my children don't have any uh, they don't um, I don't know they wouldn't fare well with a mother who is always mm. ill in bed or anything so I it, it changed me a lot sure. um, also in a way to um, I don't know to give more attention to myself actually from from um, from the uh, cliche that you have to take care of yourself first and then you can take care of other people mm-hmm. um, something like that so I um, I, pay, I just paid more attention to everything my mental process also with the pain um, and personal growth and um, things like that and also self love in a way because it's something. I want my daughters to really have, so oh. I uh, I decided to try and get that more, so I can I can not teach them but just live it, so they see that it's normal show to it. love yourself, to show it, yeah. Um, so motherhood, and um, I think my diagnosis as well probably was a big change in my life, or um, made me live in a different way because I had to search for about. 15 years till I got to diagnosis. Wow. Uh, and I had a spinal surgery in between that wow. maybe probably wasn't necessary if wow. they knew in time um, what it was. So misdiagnosed. Yeah. yeah. Mistreated. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I think uh, when you're dealing with something that's hard to diagnose and you are trusting doc- doctors and professionals to mm. take good care of you and you also don't know yeah um so i hear you saying that your daughters being becoming a mother uh, changed your perspective on how you deal uh, with your own ailments 
Yeah, and also how I communicate about pain. Mm. Um, because I grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of room for mm. pain or tears or anything. They, yeah. uh, it was mostly um, just stop crying. I think it was a, a, mm. probably the most hurt sentence <laughs> when I was a child. Don't cry. Yeah, don't cry. Don't cry. Um, and don't complain either. Yeah. Um, and anything that's um, not going well is probably between your ears in a way. So mm. just deal with it. So I um, toughen up. Yeah, toughen up. Toughen up. Yeah, toughen up. And um, I realized when I when I held my baby for the first time, I really realized that oh no, I I don't want this. I don't, and I still. Um, it's still somewhere in my system when they cry for something stupid mm -hmm. to I ha really have to not give in to saying stop cry I mean to mm, to, uh, to allow it yeah to allow it and to embrace the the vulner vulnerability oh well, what a word kwetsbaarheid is yeah 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 um, vulnerability so I um yeah that's probably the biggest change I think just and if you would describe your process of i hear you saying that your your kids made you aware of how important it is to be a good example in in self-love mm -hmm. and and uh, vulnerability and and uh, communicating those things um before you had kids mm -hmm. um how were you doing that how able i would just i would just literally probably bite away the pain and mm. just don't talk about it or mm. just i don't know or maybe even um deliberately almost doing things that i probably shouldn't do mm. um because it might make it worse rebelling um, yeah rebelling and uh, and trying to um somehow outsmart uh the pain or the disease which which obviously doesn't work but the thing is i also only got my diagnosis after uh giving birth so i oh. my, my my baby was about five months old when i got diagnosed with, oh, wow. with the rheumatic disease so it was a lot in in one in, in one mix. period of life because you um yeah you should be on the pink cloud all motherly <laughs> and then they and then they go um Ah, here you go, chronic illness. You're going to be. Uh, this is this is your problem, and we this can't cure it. This is yeah. Um, have fun with it, and here's some medication, and uh, also you can't use this medication and breastfeed, so you will have to choose. That was <laughs> that was probably one of the first conversations with the doctor. Was you have to start this medicine? Yes, I will in three months or four months because first I want mm -hmm. to at least give. Couple my, of months, my, yeah, yeah. Uh, at least till eight, nine. So I kept stretching the period to start the medication, um, and I was actually really angry because once I stopped breastfeeding and started taking the medication, my uh, my midwife said, "Well, actually, here is a book about lactating and and uh, medication, and you you would be able to combine the two. So I was ah, oh, I remember being really angry, and when I went back to the rheumatologist saying why didn't you tell me why that? did you say that it because here look you can but doctors are very when it when it comes to breastfeeding are very black and white it's just oh no not, not even a nose spray or something just because they don't know because it's not really ethical to to do research about it say oh let's take 
a thousand mothers who are breastfeeding and give them all <laughs> types of medication and then I see if imagine. the baby i mean so yeah, they, they, they always say to be safe don't Ooh, you don't. Just don't yeah but it has it has big consequences if mm. you i mean i was oh i was really angry i can um, imagine i can yeah. imagine that because you had to choose yeah. between sacrificing yourself or your baby yeah. and then you chose yourself because you want your baby to have be healthy yeah, and then you realize it was not necessary to no, make that sacrifice because then you you say goodbye to those intimate moments because they really are when when you're when you're breastfeeding and then it was i i was really sad i remember it was even on a mother's day because it was very symbolic i said okay this is the very last time oh. and then uh, i start <laughs> and then i started with the pills that after five weeks didn't even work um, so I was really angry in the in the first period because there's a system in Belgium where you um, you have to try every um, non-invasive pill method. Yeah. method before you can get you can actually get the more expensive also uh, in injections that are um, specifically for your disease. Oh, wow. So you first have to try if arcoxia or any other just um, uh, anti-inflammatory. Inflammatory drug um, does the trick for you. So I, it was a really hard period because almost every five weeks they had to check my blood. Oh no, not working. Still, still a lot of inflammation. Uh, Mm. The pain's not going away. Let's try something else. Mm. So I was taking uh, pills and then a pill against the side effects of another pill, and I was like, like, like a very old person. I had this little box with. The days morning, of the week. Yeah, days of the week and then morning, noon, evening. And I've, I felt terrible. And then all the side effects and then to be disappointed also every time when they mm. check and say, oh, no, this is not working. And then you, I, I just felt like um, like a rabbit in a laboratorium, yeah, something like pig, that. Yeah. A guinea pig, for a for a, almost a year, I think. Wow. So it was really, yeah. Tiring. Tiring, yeah. yeah. And how, how is your regime now? How are you dealing with the inflammation? Um, well, I have um, a biologic. Uh, it's an injection that um, almost, uh, I don't know, tries to stop the part of my um, immune system that attacks my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so every four weeks I have to inject it, but it's not it's not a magic um, solution. So it... it um, I think it keeps me more stable. I have I have less um, of um, ups and downs. Yeah, I don't know. Obstoten. Um, oh yeah, the rushes. Well, rushes. Yeah. Um, but it's not a painkiller. So the pain, I I don't take anything. Okay. No. So that has always been the same, basically. Mm. Before your diagnosis, you had the pain. After your diagnosis, you still have the pain. Yeah. Right yeah that that didn't change no uh, what did change yeah probably the way i i live with it okay i think um for one what i said not fighting it or not try try to fight it all the time mm-hmm. um, what do you do instead of fighting it hmm. i uh I, I don't i don't know how to say it um it's not um, not really embracing it because that's also I don't um, I don't love the pain. <laughs> I just mean it's not like oh come to me, let's give a hug. No, I I um I, I guess I um I train my mind to to 
do other things so the pain just is i'm less aware of it i guess mm -hmm. because i i i deliberately um searched for something that gives me um yeah how do i say it um really positive feelings or something mm. that I, for me, is very useful to do. Um, writing, um, interviewing people, um, even giving lectures, uh, just inspiring other people, oh, wow. things like that. Um, and it just doesn't, um, or, or the pain is not as, um, how do you say it? Anwesig? I... Yeah, present. Yeah, present. Sorry, yeah, can't find okay. the words today. Which is also um, part of the disease I have. It gives me um, brain fog, which okay. is, it's not, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's, um, it makes you feel a bit stupid sometimes because you know the things, but you can't really. Verbalize or, or, it. Yeah, or it takes more time than you would like to find the words or to um, to express yourself. So it's, uh, yeah. So I hear you saying that you found a way to uh, make the, the, the pain and, and the experience useful. Yeah. By, by writing about it, interviewing about it, you're doing a book that's about the meaning of being sick. Yeah. Uh, lecturing, giving workshops, explaining the experience. These are also pretty demanding activities. They, they require you to yeah, be able to step over the pain, not only, but also use your talents and your skills and your brain capacity. Uh, how, how do you deal with the days that you're not capable of doing that? Mm, I guess I, um, I somehow accepted that I, I also need to give in to the resting and the and the trying to recover or mm -hmm. um, to be able to have the good days as well. So mm -hmm. it's just I, I don't um, like I said I don't fight it anymore. If I have a really bad day, then I um, I also for, I verbalize it as well. Yep. So because the people around me um, don't always see it. Yep. Um, and of course the ones who who seem I live within a house, they, they see it in my eyes if I have a terrible, yeah. or they see it uh, from the way I move. Um, but still, I I, um, I always say, oh, today is not a good day. Um, don't, I mean, don't be irritated when I'm irritated because it's just, it's just part of it. You can't, mm. you can't always keep smiling when you have a terrible day. It's what just, do you do uh, on those days? Yeah, I, I, I don't um, really give into it either. It's not that I just stay in bed all day or something. I, mm. I, I get up anyway and I probably try to read or I, um, or I try to write anyway. Um, mm. I do. I don't know. It's not a big difference because it's it's um, it's always there. So no. if it so if I mean if it's um, really really bad. Um, yeah, I go to my physiotherapist probably then um, more that week. Mm -hmm. um, and he is very open-minded. He always asks me what's most present. Yeah. Um, 
and then we work with that so that's that's nice so then i ask more help probably <laughs> when i have really bad days it's amazing i um yeah i think um what i'm trying to figure out is i myself also deal with pain chronic fatigue uh, just demanding too much of the vessel basically because if there's something wrong with the vessel uh, it tries to communicate that you're taking too much of it with pain that's, mm -hmm. that's how i experience it so i really had to figure out for myself uh, how to recover best uh, I, I usually get pain or just like uh, because i've been taking too much so i need to give it some more mm -hmm. and i was trying to figure out what you do to give yourself energy almost mentally emotionally sometimes i i i need i really need um sometimes to even give myself in a way more pain but but to um to fill the pleasure battery as to say for instance to go dancing okay is one thing for me gives you energy. Um, it gives me a lot of energy but if i if i but i don't um i can't just go dancing for an hour then i if i go dancing it's you with friends and it's um, six in the morning and my feet are burning and then the next days i am a total wreck okay but uh i'm it just makes me so happy and it gives me um i don't know it, it makes carrying the pain easier even Worth, though worthwhile, worthwhile yes yeah. and i learned um probably one of the things that that i really learned was that i um the people who then afterwards when i'm when i went dancing and i'm i'm um just destroyed a pile of pain <laughs> yeah. um, oh yes but you can oh sure you can dance but you can't do this 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 so i those people i just I got rid of them. Okay. So I only I, I surround myself with people who say I'm so happy for you that it, dancing gave you so much pleasure, even though now for three days mm. you're worthless. Um, so I like I like those people, and I that's um, amazing. And I surround myself with them, and that's also a way to deal with. I mean, for me to keep carrying the pain because I know that the people around me mm. um, won't judge me if I if I. Do any, I mean, any coping strategy or anything I, I try to mm. use, they won't say, oh, boop, boop, boop. Um, so, they allow you to do yeah. it your way. Yeah, they do. No, I think, uh, first of all, I'm happy that you have these people around you that allow you to do it your way. Mm -hmm. uh, I always describe myself a little bit as uh, suffering from uh, the Icarus complex that you... Uh, burn yourself from climbing too close to the sun and then you crash and i think what you also describe is that the people who tell you to fly low mm. yeah if the water catches your wings then you also end yeah. up in the water the pain is gonna be there you're gonna yeah, yeah. end up in the puddle of pain anyway so you might as well enjoy a good high a rush something that uh, makes it worthwhile mm -hmm. um i wonder uh, if you would not have had kids, uh, how would you have dealt differently with uh, the diagnosis? Ooh, that's a difficult one. Yeah. Because it's very hard to imagine them not being there. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, um, I don't know if I uh, would, would have looked at myself as worthy enough to do all the things i do now that i to keep 
to keep myself from falling apart because I have people to take care of. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if it would be the same if I would. Can you explain that to me, what you just said? Mm. What do you have right now that you just described? Worthy enough of? Yeah, of um, trying to cope with it, I guess. Trying to, to find a way to live with it in a positive way because I, I'm, I'm a caregiver okay. um, or a caretaker, whatever. Um, I don't know if, if there would be less to care about. I don't know if I would care as much about myself. I, mm. I think that's so true. what you're explaining to me is that because you have to take care of your children, you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And if they would not be here, the question would be, would you take as much care of yourself? I'd, I'm not sure I would. Okay. Hmm. Before your kids, you would not take as much care of yourself. I think um, before my kids, I I don't know. I also didn't experience as much self-love before my kids came as I do now. Mm. So I think that's also important um, because I, um, I experienced by talking to other people who have chronic illness mm. that um, they don't look at themselves in a very positive way, mm. um, a lot of them. And uh, if they don't have a reason to live, or, or they, I mean, they describe it as those are my reasons to live. And um, I've never heard anyone say I am my reason to live. It's always someone else. So that's an interesting dynamic, I wow. think. Yeah. So the purpose of life created the need to, to love yourself. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. That's really interesting because i remember myself a couple of years ago really being confronted with okay getting out of bed is really hard every day like really painful why do i get out of bed every day why do i yeah, i think one of the most difficult things to do is to decide to stop breathing mm. your body will keep breathing whether you want it or not you can close your nose and mouth and then at a certain point you're like yeah <laughs> The body wants to live, but it's not a fun life in that sense. If there's a lot of pain mm. present and uh, like you feel like you're lacking in some departments, then what is it that you are alive for? Mm. And you have experienced a shift in your purpose when you had kids. Um, I would almost say I don't have kids, but I can imagine that it elevates the depth of purpose mm, it you're, does, yeah, you're not way. you're not just alive for yourself you're also alive for them mm. um, but i think now even if they even if they wouldn't be there i think the way i am now mm -hmm. i would um i would put myself on the list of reasons to keep alive because and i was actually just uh, writing in the manuscript in my manuscript the parts um uh, one of the one of the sentences you you hear a lot when you get uh, diagnosed is you have to learn how to live with it mm -hmm. just learn to live with it and I, and if you think about it what other option do you have except for stop living you have to i mean so it's just a funny sentence people keep saying oh you have to learn to live with it mm -hmm. i think yeah i have to because the other option is just stop to living, stop living yeah. um and, but if you say that they go <gasps> that's not the point no, that no, we weren't not, trying to say no, that they just no because when they say you have to learn to live with it what they actually mean is just minimal minimalize it 
as much as you can, um, which is. I think yeah, not learn a good learn advice. to thrive with it. Yeah. You know, oh, the, that's the a nice way. Thriving is a different experience in life. Everybody's alive, but then everybody's thriving. No. Um, if you would be able to go back in time and tell yourself a younger version of yourself something, which version of yourself would you tell what? Ooh, <laughs> wow. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really good question. <laughs> mm. I, w- I would probably go back to just when I started university and mm. I, um, I was already in a lot of pain, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know exactly what it was or they, they thought it was, um, or I, I mean, there was a, a problem in my spine already, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't, I mean, then they also said, you have to learn to live with it because you're too young. We're not going to operate on it yet because blah, blah, blah. Um, and I just, um, at that point, I just, um, try to ignore it a lot and i uh, i i worked in bars and i worked really hard and physical. i like physical and i could i could almost um it was sometimes hard to reach uh my door after working a shift so i i would keep smiling and keep treating everyone as i should when you're a bartender mm. and filling up the fridges and replacing the the, the tabs the tabs and everything and, and lifting, Heavy lifting. And, and then get home and just cry and just be poor um but i had to because i had to pay for my for my education so i was um in a struggle but i think i would i would have i would tell myself at that point to um to look to look for maybe a different way to um to earn the money i i, I guess mm, find a different find, job find a different job and um, I don't know, I would, um, and also to not uh, try to push the pain away mm-hmm. um, and to talk about it more because I was, I felt, um, I was always, I was afraid of being victimized mm-hmm. for a very long time. So with the, the, also from my, from my childhood, of course, don't cry. Don't mm-hmm. um, so I just was struggling a lot with do I tell people I'm in pain do I know I, I shouldn't I probably should how would you convince your 18 19 20 year old version to uh, overcome that fear of talking about it I think um, I think it's probably more important to overcome the fear of um, not being uh, heard. Is okay. I think more. Tell me more. Because if you, um, I don't know. To me, it's not very difficult to talk about it because yeah. I, I don't. Um, or even then, it wasn't very difficult for me. If I wanted to, I would have been able to just tell people oh, I'm in pain and this is what I'm feeling. Okay. But I didn't because I was afraid that they would um, think I was uh, complaining or mm. or so. Just the thought of being victimized, being mm. looked at as someone, oh no, oh, she's very negative because she's going mm. to talk about her pain. So I would probably convince my younger self that it's not a negative thing to be open about it, mm. I think. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think uh, if I would relate that to myself, I think I am a person who is 
holding the finger up towards myself, be like, hey, don't cry, don't complain about the pain. Uh, and that was the thing that was holding you back from speaking to other people. Yeah. And and you have been able to change that yeah. for yourself, to not worry about being, uh, how do you say it, uh, seen as negative or complaining. How, how did you change that inside yourself? Mm. For me, it was by writing, by writing about it, because mm. I am... Um, when I when I got my diagnosis, I was working as a as a journalist mm -hmm. with an online one, um, and I um, I just asked the paper I was working for, can I can I write about it? Um, can I write an article about it? So, I um, I mean about being invisibly ill. No, right. Um, and um, about the fact that a lot of people who have the same um, not diagnosed, but I mean, complaints, complaints. Um, they are all, not always, but a lot of them are complaining that other people don't see them, don't hear them, don't believe them, mm -hmm. um, that they are easy to, uh, that they are easily um, stigmatized as well, right. um, or that there is a, a way, I mean, people look at, at it away in a way as you are, you are ill, so you're not allowed to have fun. That's also that's also something that because yeah. for instance for me like I said when I when I go dancing till six in the morning, you really have those negative people who say if you can do that then you can work or then you can and you can do this and you can do that and it's the same with with my company they say oh but if you can have your own writing company then you can also just do a normal job mm. so why are you not doing a normal job so it's mm. those those things are. I think what people are more afraid of than um, just talking about the pain. It's just the way other people mm. look at you when you do, uh, when you do talk about it. And you're telling me that writing helped you to overcome yeah, because the judgment, could, the fear yeah, of judgment. Yeah, because I could just um, mirror a lot of things, just be very open about it and, and, and um, just confront people with their own... Um, stigmas that they give people or, or the the way they judge people for instance because if you don't write about the fact that you need to sometimes do um, something that doesn't really seem uh, responsible to mm -hmm. do but you need to do it to keep on going to keep on carrying it gives the you pain sense, yeah. to give you yeah and it also gives it gives you pleasure people need pleasure yeah. and it's not it's not the health privilege or it shouldn't be it's not only <laughs> if you're healthy you you're can allowed have pleasure. to have fun yeah but that's that's just that's it. that's something that a lot of people seem to think mm. if if you have a disease or if you um if you are um living with a handicap or if you have limits then just stick to them or something you shouldn't oh don't stick to your lane yeah stick to your mm. don't go outside uh, don't try to push the limits or anything just sit sick in a corner and take your pills and be quiet no. it's just not a way um not I love it not a society I would like to live in. I like it the way you are able to use uh, the the feedback that people give you also to mirror. Mm. I think that's what I also tried to do in the article that I wrote about your relationship with pain is that it's trying to keep you back. The pain is trying to teach you to not do that something again. And uh, we all experience pain in different ways. 
and some of us allow the pain to prevent us from going back out there and you're actually not doing that you're allowing the pain to get you more out there more and more and even expose the pain and and, then open up about it yeah because i mean what what use would it have if i just i don't know if i just uh, immobilize get immobilized by it or or Mm. then it's doesn't really have a a purpose i mean mean, not not that it i don't know it's i think it's a difficult thing to think about does pain need a need to have a purpose or do you need to find a purpose in pain because for a lot of people they just no don't know they just let them let it get to them and just Mm. get in a very passive way of living and just Mm. everything is in function of the pain i don't I think that's a great question. My uh, uh, journey, uh, I think, to where I'm at with the brand that I'm building is that uh, I I, I have to phrase it as love change. And and change is a painful process. If you see a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, we're looking at it and we're like, oh, that's beautiful. That's metamorphosis. But inside the cocoon, the caterpillar is melting all of its structures, rebuilding itself. You're not going to tell me that's not painful. No, probably that's, not. that's a very painful process. Mm. And it's also a process of completely letting go of the old to be able to embody the new. Mm. And uh, if you're talking about pain, that, that usually has to do with letting go of something that you want to keep, but you don't have any longer. Mm. And that's not a physical pain it's no, a, it's, no, a, it's a memory of the past the nostalgia um before we uh, wrap it up tell us a bit about what's ahead in the book that you're uh, writing ah um so in dutch the title is zinvol ziek with a question mark yeah. um and it's also puzzled in a way that you get an i so you get ik zinvol ik and then the the question mark is below the ik so it's actually it's um it's more than just a story about my own pain it starts from it, it starts f- it's the from meaning of being ill um sick is it yeah. meaningful to be sick yeah meaningful is yeah i don't know how you useful yeah useful but that then that's even i, I haven't found the um, english an english version um that i'm really happy with i hope i will Someday have to look for it mm. because they will want to translate it or something. That would be great. Yeah. Um, but um, it would. It has uh, three parts. Yeah. So the first one is just called disease, and then the other part is called well, useful or meaningful. Sinful. Sinful. And then the third one is the gray zone, yeah. which um, would be um, how I or not how I, but talking to a lot of people because I interviewed. A lot of people, no. um, professors, politicians, um, other people with illnesses, people who were born with a handicap, people who are mentally ill. Uh, I tried to just find talk to a, really a lot of people, and um, they all have a vision for a future that would be different. Mm-hmm. So the the third part of the book would be to try and find um, how they overlap and try and see how it could be if we would live differently Mm. um so that would so that's um the last part of the book 
And then the first one starts from my own experiences, but also um, goes wider as um, in a way that how, how does a disease or how does pain impact the rest of your life? Because oh, wow. people, people um, obviously, it's easy to just think pain is inside you, so it's your pain. Or it's just it doesn't it, it only um, attacks your body or it only attacks mm. your mind. But of course that's not the case because it limits you in every aspect of your over or it can limit you in every aspect of your life. It mm. doesn't have to be that way, but it can. So the book. Um, so what I want to do is is I don't know, confront people with that. And if you're even if you're not ill, because that's very important for me that it's not just a book for other. Uh, chronic patients but, but it's actually um informing yeah informing and mirroring as well um just a, a lot of things i write um i i can imagine that people um can be hit by the words even if they don't know how, what it means to be to to have a disease or to be chronically ill but just mm. make them think about um how they look at life if they look at it um, I think like you said, a glass half empty or a glass half full, it's just a way of, of looking at life. So you don't need Definitely. you don't need um, physical pain to start making those choices, I think. So Not at all. Uh, Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. The podcast you have with all the interviews is called The Grijze Zone. In the Grijze Zone. In yes. the Grijze Zone. On Spotify. I'll link it in this episode. And I found it beautiful that you... Uh, decided to travel back to uh, yeah basically the beginning of your student years to tell yourself first of all find a different job that doesn't require you to bust your ass so hard (laughs) which you eventually did as a journalist I'm happy you found that and uh, the advice you had was to uh, almost not care about what people might think if you communicate yeah, yeah. well not care is not but don't be afraid of being rejected in the vulner in being vulnerable well, i can't say vulnerable. the word vulnerable vulnerable um, yeah that's <laughs> bad yeah easier. um but just because if a person can't um embrace the fact that you share then it's it says more about the person than it does about you. Mm. That's what I learned. Nah. People, if they can't if they can't handle uh, the rawness of it, mm. then it's it's that's not my problem. I mean, uh, or it shouldn't be my problem. So I shouldn't um, try to soften my communication because someone else might not be able to take it. It's mm. just I adapted more when I was younger. I thought, oh, let's not um, make the other person uncomfortable. And what value do you find now in sharing, writing about pain or, or being sick? It, it just opens up dialogue a lot. And it mm. also, um, because I, I, am, I feel very lucky to be able to uh, write and talk as easily as I do. Yeah. Um, and so I get a lot of emails from people who um, listen to the podcast or who uh, somehow heard about the book saying finally thank you thank you someone is um, because if they read it or or listen to it they say that's that's my life or you're talking about my life you're writing about my life Mm. but they don't uh they're not or they think they're not able to share it as in the way that i do people are feeling heard yeah so they they are they think they say yeah thank you for 
being um, a megaphone or something for the way I feel. You're speaking for them so, also. Yeah. That's beautiful. So that's uh, that's the feedback I've been getting. So that's a, a, that's a good reason to keep on doing it because people are really, um, yeah, they find it liberating in a way that someone finally... <laughs> Um, steps in yeah. and represents yeah. their voice that's beautiful yeah i guess that's also how we found each other because you said what i wrote yeah, could have been your story that's true about yeah. how you experience pain what it does to you how it's present mm -hmm. and uh, what sense you try to make out of this pain what are you supposed to do with it yeah. when, you're, when you're served this platter mm -hmm. thank you so much thank you for the interview thank you for and uh, looking forward to reading your book very much thanks for tuning in for the uh, love change podcast you've heard lynn describe how she was able to uh, shift into sharing her vulnerability mm -hmm. and uh, actually uh, practice more self-love and self-care thanks to her kids Maybe also thanks to uh, growing wiser and older every day. Probably. <laughs> thanks a lot.